But my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad that you are here with us. We're finishing up this uh, fourth week of the series that we're in called First Things First, all right? And, and as we have come into the year 2020, really the, the idea is that we want to make sure that, that Jesus is first. We want to make sure that he is our priority. And so through this series, we've been talking about the priority of the gospel, or he defines the gospel as the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. In other words, the gospel is all about the person and the work of Jesus. And if we're going to make him first, if we're going to put first things first, we're going to have the spirit of John in John 3.30 when, when John said, he must increase, but I must what? Decrease, right? He's got to become greater and I have to become less. And so each of the last couple weeks, if you've been around, um, each week I've been kind of taking us through a series of four different things, okay? So I want to, I want to test you out. I want to put the answers on the screen in a minute, but let me test you, okay? A, a couple weeks ago, I, I introduced you to four questions, okay? And I want to, I want to see if, you, if any of you remember the four questions. So question number one is, who is God? What has he done? Question three, who am I? And then what do I do, okay? So... Very good, very good. So last week, we went through another set of four things. We were working through the gospel story in four parts. Does anybody remember the first part? That's a no, all right? <laughs> it's creation, fall, rescue, restoration, okay? Creation, fall, rescue, restoration. The story that God is, is, is writing, this drama of redemption that he's been writing from uh, eternity past in eternity future, it flows in, in the fours. This morning, I want to introduce you to a four-part gospel prayer, okay? And I want to do that in just a couple minutes. But let me, let me kind of start out with this quote, which I think it could be potentially one of the most helpful quotes that, that, that you've heard. It's, it's from a guy named Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he says this, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? I know I've introduced this, this idea before, but I want, to, I want to talk about it a little bit. Because think of, think of this idea of listening to ourselves, okay? We, we, we spend a lot of our time listening to ourselves. Okay, for, for instance, when I, when I first hear the alarm in the morning. I'm listening to myself, and this voice inside me says, hit snooze, all right? Turn off your alarm. Go back to bed, right? We, we just spend so much time listening to ourselves. We listen to, uh, we listen to ourselves whine and complain and question a lot, don't we? <laughs> Maybe not outwardly, but internally. And, and we listen to ourselves, and, and we listen to every whim of our flesh. Our flesh is constantly saying, I want, I want more, I want this, or I want that. And, and often we're listening to, to every struggle to get what we want or to posture and pose for other people. And so we listen to ourselves. Often we listen to the voice of doubt within. You know what I'm talking about? This, this voice within us that says, you can't do this. You're not good enough. You aren't loved. You aren't, you aren't worth, you are worthless. You are a failure. And we listen to this voice of doubt within. We listen to ourselves. Often we listen to the voice of pride within that bubbles up inside of us, right? That says, I, I deserve 
more, I'm entitled to this, or can you believe this person got this, or I'm better than that, and we listen to this voice of pride that, that bubbles up. And so for many of us, what happens is we spend a lot of our days listening to ourselves. We wake up listening to ourselves, and we spend our days listening to ourselves, and we go to bed listening to ourselves, and that's why some of us can't shut off our brain, because we're listening to these voices that we have inside. And and what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was saying with this statement was, we've got to stop listening to ourselves so much. We've got to stop listening to ourselves. There was this meme that I saw, okay, I've always got to throw up a good meme if I can, uh, why I liked it. <laughs> so, so let me show you this meme that I saw, okay, this is, you know, a little scene from Wreck-It Ralph. When someone advises you to just follow your heart, and the response is, oh, hey, thanks, Satan. <laughs> and uh, the reason I say this is because this, this maxim or this, this ideal of just follow your heart, and it's a pretty normal, everyday kind of idea, isn't it? It's, it's a, it's, what I want to say is this is like worldly wisdom that we hear, and we go, yeah, just follow your heart. That's a good thing. Just follow your heart. And, and, and sometimes we forget or we don't know that what the Bible says about the heart is very pointed. In fact, in Jeremiah 17, 9, this is what it says about your heart. The heart is what? Deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Some translations say it's desperately wicked. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful. And so if, if you just listen to yourself, if you listen to yourself, if you follow your heart, you know, sometimes your heart will take you good places, but sometimes it will lead you straight off a cliff, right? It will lead you to bad places. If you just do what your heart tells you. And I get when you, when you put your faith in Jesus, he gives you a new heart, but man, it's still trapped within this body of flesh that is at war with the Spirit of God within us. And so we've gotta start talking to ourselves. We've gotta start talking to ourselves, but let me say it this way, not in a shallow, kind of self-helpy kind of a way, okay? Some of you, um, if you're my age, you're older, back in the early 90s, if, if any of you watched Saturday Night Live, okay, and maybe you've seen memes of this, there was this skit, okay, some of you, I'm introducing you to this for the first time. There was a skit called Daily Affirmations with Stuart Smalley, okay? Anybody remember that? Anybody in the room remember this? Okay, so if you don't know what it is, it's this Daily Affirmations, and this guy, Stuart Smalley, would sit in front of a mirror, look in the mirror, and he would say this phrase to himself, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me, <laughs> right? And so every day, it's, it was about him affirming himself, and you see why he would have problem feeling affirmed, right? Um, <laughs> so this, this was the whole idea. I'm affirming myself. I'm, I'm smart. I'm, I'm good. People like me, right? I'm affirming myself. This is not what I'm talking about, okay? When I'm talking about talking to yourself. It's not this self-helpy kind of shallow stuff. This will last you about two minutes until you get out in the world and you realize, okay, everybody hates me. I'm a weirdo, <laughs> right? This, this is not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about talking to yourself. What I mean is we have to preach the gospel to ourselves. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That was the command to his followers. But here's what I've got to say is that it's got to start with us. We've got to preach the gospel to ourselves. And to put first things first is to put 
his truth, in his words, in his voice above our own and above all the other voices in our culture. And so what I want to do for just a couple minutes is I want to look at a couple verses quickly in Psalm 42. Psalm 42. We actually looked at Psalm 42 a few months ago if you were here in our, our Crushed series. Uh, in Psalm 42, the psalmist is, is deeply troubled and he's struggling with what's going on in his life. In, in, in two verses, verses 5 and 11, he repeats a phrase where he is, is actually talking to himself, okay? Psalm 42, verse 5 and verse 11, the psalmist says this, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? So who is the psalmist talking to here? Himself, right? He's talking to his own soul. He's addressing his soul. Why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil within me? And then he begins to not just question his soul, but he begins to speak to his soul. And he says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Hope in God. Put your hope in God, who is our salvation. And one of the cool things is that when you come into the New Testament, the, the person of Jesus, Jesus literally means Jehovah is salvation. And so what he is in essence doing here is he's preaching the gospel to himself, that my salvation is in God, that, that Jesus alone is, is my hope and my salvation. And here's the bottom line this morning. It's real simple. Preach the gospel to yourself by praying gospel prayers, by praying gospel prayers. And so what I want to do for the next few minutes is, is, is real simple. I want to introduce you to this, this four-part gospel prayer, okay? And I've cheated a little bit. I've, I've, I've taken it right out of a book that, that uh, has been really impactful to me. It's this book called Gospel uh, by a pastor and author, uh, J.D. Greer. He's the uh, current president of the Southern Baptist Convention, one of my favorite leaders. This book, Gospel, Recovering the Power That Made Christianity Revolutionary. And uh, what J.D. Greer does in this book is he lays out kind of this four-part prayer that helps us to put the gospel first. And so what I wanna do over the next few minutes is introduce you uh, piece by piece to these four parts of this gospel prayer. And I don't wanna so much preach it, I wanna introduce it to you, give you the idea, and I wanna challenge and encourage you to be components that, that flow out of our identity in Christ. Who he is, what he has done, who he has made us to be, the identity that he has given us, and and this is where we're going to go. So the very, first, the very first part of this prayer is this. And these will all be on your screen, uh, in your notes, in your Bible app. Here's the first part of the prayer. In Christ. Okay, so this, this assumes something. This assumes that we are in Christ, that we have put our faith in Jesus, that our identity is found in Christ. In Christ, there is nothing I can do that would make you love me more. And nothing I have done makes you love me less. And, and I want you to just kind of marinate on this for a second, because for some of us, if, if this were to get into your heart and into your soul, this would reorient everything for you. In Christ, there is nothing I can do that would make you love me more, and nothing I have done makes you love me less. So in other words, my actions do not dictate his love for me. My actions do not dictate his love for me. 
when I sin, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't love me less. When I do good, this is not the gospel. It is about who he is, the fact that God is love, and because he is love, he loves us. And it's not based on our performance. Listen, this is very countercultural in America, that we're all about performance. In fact, what happens for a lot of us is we, we, we go through our relationships um, with this kind of performance mindset. Right, where it's like, okay, if I say in my marriage with my spouse, I blow it. Okay, with my wife, I blow it. I do something bad. You, you know what I, I tend to do following that up? I tend to try to do a lot more things right. I try to make it up to her, right? I'm like, okay, maybe I need to do the dishes, or maybe I need to um, you know, buy her flowers, or maybe I need to, I don't know, scrub the toilet. I need to do something to make it up to her, right? And I'm trying to win back her affection, right? And that's typically how we do things, rather than me going to my wife immediately, the moment I realize that I've blown it, and saying, honey, I am sorry. I have messed up. I have sinned against you. Would you forgive me? But sometimes what we do is we spend hours and days and weeks and we try to make it up. We try to make it up to that person, right? Because we think, man, I, I need to win her back. And, so, and some of us, this is how we live, or a coach or somebody important in our life. And when we blew it, we feel, felt like I have to make it up to him or to her. And we spent all our life trying to please someone because we thought our performance was gonna earn their affection and their approval. And some of us bring that into our relationship with God as if, if I do enough good things, if I, do, if I give enough money, or if I, if, I, if I do enough religious things that God will love me more. Or when I blow it, I've gotta do some things to make up for it. That is not the gospel. The gospel is the fact that God loves us, not because we are good and deserving of it, but because God is love, and he loves us because he loves us. And some of you get this, because some of you are parents, and sometimes your kids do things that are downright stupid, right? And, and yet you still love them, right? You still love them. Some of you, all of you that were kids, and you did stupid things, and your parents still loved you, people still loved you. It's this unconditional love that comes from a father heart or from a mother heart. And this is what happens is the father heart of God who loves us in spite of us. Love me more, God. And there's nothing that I have done that would make you love me less. And so this is the first part of this prayer. Here, here's another part of a gospel prayer, or another gospel prayer, is this. Your presence, God, your presence and approval are all I need for everlasting joy. Your presence and approval are all I need for everlasting joy. And again, this is about putting, this is about putting him first, putting him above all others, because not always do we live believing that God's presence and God's approval in our life is most important, right? A lot of times we're seeking the approval of someone else or the affection of, of somebody else. And what we do when we pray this prayer is that we remind ourselves of the gospel, that 
Only God's presence and only God's approval gives us everlasting joy. We're rehearsing what we know to be true, but we don't always live as if it is true. And so to pray this prayer, God, your presence and approval are all I need for everlasting joy. What we're doing is we're preaching the gospel to ourselves. We're reminding ourselves of what we know to be true. Because God, think about this, he is the one who created you. And he is the only one who can give you a kind of joy that lasts forever. Only God can give that because he is the eternal one. He is the everlasting one. And so to pray this prayer is to remind ourselves of the truth of the gospel that, quite frankly, we need to hear every single morning. Amen? That his presence and his approval is the most important thing. And so that's, that's the second part of this gospel prayer. Here's the third part. As you have been to me, so I will be to others. God, as you have been to me, so I will be to others. In other words, this is, this is what I call a, a gospel motivation for, all, for everything that I do, for everything that I do. Okay, so in other words, I don't do something because I ought to or because I should or because I'm supposed to do it. I do what I do because this is how God has responded to me. This is how God has loved me. This is how God has forgiven me. This is how God has treated me. And so, God, as you have been to me, so I will be text of your everyday relationships. And the power of actually praying this in the way that you live out your life, okay? Because typically the way that we live, okay, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as much as anyone, is, is I tend to treat people the way that they have treated me, right? Okay, so um, if you don't have anything to do with me, you know how I'm going to respond to you typically? I'm going to say, well, okay, I don't, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Okay, you don't like me, I don't like you, all right? Uh, you don't think I'm funny, I don't think you're funny, all right? You, we tend to go, you have a problem with me, you have a problem with me, all of a sudden I have a problem with you. And so we tend to respond to others the way that they've responded to us. And so think about this, okay? When somebody sins against you, what is your response? When someone wrongs you, how do you respond? How do you respond internally? Maybe it doesn't always flesh itself out externally, but how do you respond to people when they sin against you? I know how I respond. I get frustrated. I get angry. I get confused. There's all these things that, 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 that get me riled up, right? And what happens is when people sin against us, we tend to respond either internally or externally, we tend to because it says this, God, as you have been to me, so I will be to others. So when somebody sins against me, if I'm praying through this prayer, if I'm trying to put the gospel first, if I'm trying to respond to others in the same way that God has responded to me, you know what, what begins to happen in my heart is I go, okay, God, you know what? Countless times have I sinned against you. And how have you responded to me? 
and grace and mercy and patience and kindness. And my sin against you, God, is infinitely greater than any sin that I've experienced from the hands of another. And you have forgiven and acted in grace towards me. How could I not respond in grace and forgiveness towards others? You see how this works? When we put the gospel first, we say it's not about me, it's, it's about Jesus, and it's about his way above my own. He must increase and I must decrease. And so as you have been to me, God, so I will be to others. Man, we're, we're putting the gospel at the forefront. We're putting the gospel first, and we're allowing the gospel to help dictate and motivate the way that we live. And so part three of the, the prayers is, as you have been to me, so I will be to others. Here's the fourth part, the last part of this prayer. As I pray, I will measure your compassion by the cross and your power by the resurrection. As I pray, God, I will measure your compassion by the cross. In other words, this is, is again, just another reminder of the, the compassion and the love for God towards, towards you, towards me. Listen, if, if you were to experience no other kindness and good gift from the hand of God, you could never ever question his love and compassion for you because he put it on full display on the cross. He gave his life for you. He stretched out his arms and died for you. And so he expressed his love and compassion on the cross. And so as I pray, I will measure your compassion by the cross and I will measure your power by the resurrection. In other words, what we're doing is we're reminding ourselves of the power of the gospel, which is that Jesus did not just die, but he arrived from the dead. And so as you pray and as you walk through your life and you face the circumstances that you face and the difficulty and the struggle and all of the things that you go through that challenge your faith, that challenge your walk with Jesus, that make you want to give up, that that make you wonder if God is present. If you were to look and pray and remind yourselves of the gospel, you'll remember the power of the resurrection and you will realize and you will remember that man, he has put his full power on display when God raised Jesus from the dead. And that power, you have access to that in your life and in your circumstances. But we've gotta pray and remind ourselves and preach to ourselves the gospel and remind ourselves of who he is and the power that is available to us that raised him from the dead. And so here, here's what I wanna encourage you to do. The, the, these four, this four-part prayer, okay, will have so much more power, not by me preaching and all of these things, but really by you actually praying these prayers. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do, is for the next seven days, every day for the next seven days, pray these four things, okay? Begin to pray, and you're reminding yourselves of the gospel and who you are in Christ, and you're rehearsing what you know to be true. And so I want to encourage you to pray it, 
pray it every day. I would, encourage you, I would encourage you to pray it multiple times a day, okay? And so let me give you some thoughts about, about when to do this. Okay, first, I would encourage you to pray it when you wake up. Okay, when you wake up, that you begin to pray. You know, probably the worst thing that you and I can do when we wake up is reach for our phone and begin scrolling, right? And begin to take in other voices and other things. And what we need to do is begin to pray and remind ourselves of who God is and and what he has done. And so when you wake up, thank him for who he is and submit yourself to him and and begin to pray these things, okay? You can grab your phone if if those prayers are like your wallpaper, okay? (laughs) What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna actually put those on social media. So if you wanna make one of these prayers your prayer, um, you can stick that on your phone and, and do that. But when you wake up, pray this, okay? Pray it throughout the day, like through your day. And, and let, me, let, me, let me talk about this for a second. Um, because you and I have a, a ton of spare moments throughout the day, right? And we begin to fill it with stuff. I think that's one of the, the curses of, of having phones on our person is that we spend every day in the scroll or do something and we take in other voices. So I want to say this. Seize those spare moments. Seize those spare moments when you're when you're commuting, when you're, in your, when you're in your car, when you're on your breaks, when you're at mealtime, seize those, those spare moments to, to pray these prayers or to remind yourself of these things, of who God is. And, and not just these spare moments, but let me say it this way. Keep recharging. Keep recharging through the day. Do any of you have like an old, older version iPhone where you, have to, you feel like you have to charge it like two or three times a day? Is anybody there with me? Uh, nobody, okay, a couple of you are, okay. I've got this like, I feel like it's, I don't know if there's a word for this, I'm sure there is, but like dead phone phobia, you, you know what I'm talking about? Where if it gets below 70%, I like start stressing out and turn like, I gotta charge my phone because it's gonna die on me when I really need it, right? It's so important that I've gotta keep recharging. And so, you know, maybe once a day, maybe a couple times a day, I will stick it back on the charger, you know, if it's wearing down. Uh, and, and I feel like if I ended up getting to the end of the day without recharging it at least once, it's gonna be at like 6%, okay? And I hate when it's in the red. It just drives me crazy. So I, weird, weirdness about me, okay? Um, but keep recharging. It's the same way in our relationship with God. Okay, if, if you start the day with the Lord, that is within and without, and you take in all the stuff in our culture, man, your battery begins to run down, right? So much so that by the end of the day, if you haven't at some point in little moments recharged, in other words, connected with God, then by the end of that day, you are on fumes. You are at 10%. You are are at 6%, you are drained. And what I'm encouraging us to do is throughout the day, keep recharging. What, what, what Jesus said in, in John 15, I think is so powerful. John 15, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. You've gotta stay connected to me. You gotta stay plugged into me to have life 
and to have power. And some of us, we may start today, some of us, listen, some of us go from Sunday to Sunday and we expect to have this relationship with God on Sunday and we get charged up and we're trying, okay, picture that. How long would it take before that thing was dead? I mean, less than 24 hours, right? You would wake up tomorrow and it would be out of power. It'd be out of juice, right? And yet, for some of us, we go, I'm gonna charge up on Sunday, which is what this, this time is for, but then we don't have any personal recharging time where we're abiding in Christ and we're connecting and plugging into him. And so we go to the next Sunday and we've been, we've been literally drained spiritually for six days because we've never recharged. And here's what I'm saying, use these prayers. I'm not saying in the middle of your day, stop and do an hour Bible study. Here's what I'm saying, is in those spare moments and throughout the day, seize those opportunities to recharge and to remind yourself of the gospel. Pray these prayers, pick one of these prayers and plug in, recharge. So when you wake up through the day, another time is this, when you sin, let me take just a minute to talk about this because I think this is so important. When you sin, preach the gospel to yourself. Because here, here's how it works for me. When I sin, which, which means in word or deed or in thought, okay, whenever I sin against God or against somebody else and God, because his Holy Spirit is in me and he convicts me of, of sin. When I sin against God or when I sin against somebody else and I realize that I have sinned, I immediately feel bad and I begin to beat myself up and I begin to like beat myself down and I, and I kind of go into this like self-loathing. Have, have you ever been there where you're like, how could I, man, what would drive me to do that or think that or act that way? And I beat myself up. And what happens is I begin to hate myself more than I hate the sin that has offended God. And I beat myself down and I beat myself down and I beat myself down. And, and, and here's what I think, this is the conclusion that I've come to, is I think one of the greatest marks of spiritual maturity in the life of a follower of Jesus is not just recognizing your sin, okay? Because if we pay attention, I mean, it's there. We see it, we get it. I think one of the marks of our growing maturity in Christ is how quickly we run from our sin back to the cross. We run from our sin, our conviction of sin, back to the cross. Because again, here's what tends to happen. We sin against somebody else, we sin against ultimately God, and we get to beat ourselves down. And, and, and what we do, instead of running to God, is we begin, I need to start doing better. I need to, I need to there's something I've gotta do to make it up to God. And I begin to try to work off my sin just like I would do with somebody I've sinned against. Let me be nicer. Let me do nice things for that person, and that'll make up for my wrongdoing. And we do this with God as if we're, we're paying penance, and it's gonna, God's gonna forgive us because we've done enough good stuff. 
No, 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 listen. The more we understand the gospel, the more we put the gospel first, the more we're centered around the gospel, that gospel prayer that in Christ, nothing we do could make him love us more and nothing we have done could make him love us less. When we get that, we will move from a place of conviction of sin to running straight to the cross and going, God, I've sinned against you. And yet I know that you love me and you've already done everything to forgive me of of my sin. And what I did drove you to the cross because of your love for me. And so God, I receive your forgiveness and I receive your grace. God, thank you. Help me to live in obedience and love to you. And we don't beat ourselves up and wallow in our sin because what happens, and this has happened to me, where I spend hours and days trying to make it up to God. And God says, no, 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 no. When you sin, come to me. I've already paid the price. You don't have to do anything to add to that. Come back to the cross. Come back to me because there's forgiveness here. And so when you and I sin, Man, preach the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself that you don't have to do anything. He has already done what needs to be done, and I can run straight to him. Amen? This is the gospel. And so when you sin, run to the cross. So pray it multiple times a day. When you wake up through your day, when you sin, and then another time, last time, is when you, when you lie down. When you lie down. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, one of these days I want to do a series on rest and sleep uh, because, quite honestly, it's one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, I'll, I love me some sleep. Um, but if you think about this, this idea of, of, of sleep, um, and maybe you remember that old prayer. It was like the scariest thing as a kid to pray, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That is a frightening prayer, right? This is like, what? Oh, my goodness. If I die, okay, so weird. Okay, I just want to rest. Just let me catch some shut-eye. But, but think of this, this idea of sleep, okay? It is such a really laying yourself down, and you're putting yourself in the most vulnerable position that you're in all day long, being asleep. And listen, I don't care if you have a firearm by your bedside or if you have a security system, you are never more vulnerable than when you lay down to sleep and you shut off the world. This is a a place of vulnerability and rest, all right? It it is literally, it is this act of of saying, you know what, I, I realize that the world doesn't revolve around me and as I go to sleep, there is a God who is in control and he's going to keep the world spinning whether I'm awake or not. So actually, the world doesn't revolve around me. It doesn't depend on me. It is an act of laying our lives down and resting. In fact, I love it. In Psalm 121, it talks about he who keeps our soul or he who keeps us neither slumbers nor sleeps. He is in control. And so even when we sleep, we can pray the gospel and we can remind ourselves, man, God is in control and he loves me. And so pray the prayer multiple times a day. Again, it's about talking to yourself, not listening. And so again, preach the gospel to yourself by praying gospel prayers. Let let, let me do this. Um, Let me ask you this question. Is there one of those that you would point to and you would say, this is the one that I especially need. This is the one that 
that really resonates with me that I need to pray more than any other? Is there, is there, is there one of those for you that resonates with you? I would ask you to, to focus on that and make that specifically your prayer. But I, I want to do this, and I know this can be hard doing speaking in unison, but I want us to read these, these, this four-part prayer together, okay? And so I want to count it down with each one. I just want us to out loud recite this to rehearse this to ourselves, okay? So the first one, three, two, one. In Christ, there is nothing I can do that would make you love me more and nothing I have done that makes you love me less. Prayer number two. Three, two, one. Your presence and approval are all I need for everlasting joy. God, your presence and approval, all I need. Number three, three, two, one. As you have been to me, so I will be to others. And then number four, three, two, one. As I pray, I'll measure your Man, I want to encourage you. Pray this prayer. Pray these prayers. Put the gospel first. Man, I promise you, if for the next seven days, and maybe it moves beyond this, if you begin to pray morning, noon, and night, if you begin to pray these things, remind yourself of who God is, what he has done, and your identity in Christ, I'm telling you, you will experience the power of God as he reorients your mind around the person and the work of Jesus. And so let me pray for you all. God, again, thank you so much for who you are and all that you have done in making a way for us to come back to you and forgiving us of our sins at the cross, that if we would put our faith in you, God, that you would rescue us and redeem us from the curse of sin. And so, Lord, we, as your people, we want to put the gospel first. Lord, in our church, we want to put the gospel first. And so, Lord, I pray for every single one of us as we begin to pray these things, as we remind ourselves of the truth of your word, as we rehearse the truths of the gospel to ourselves. God, I pray that you would change us. I pray that you would change the I pray that you would change the way that we think about our sin. I pray that you would change the way that we respond to other people. God, I pray that that you would change us by the gospel and for the gospel. And so God, would you do that in us? Would you do that in me? Would you do that in our church? I pray in Jesus name. And all God's people said